Beware, statistics are not people. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. Several years ago, when I was early on in my PhD studies, I read the works of many adult educators. Jack Mesero, Patricia Cranton, Stephen Brookfield, and others. And one principle that was touted by every one of them was the importance of critical thinking. Patricia Cranton said, Questioning and challenging should become the norm of a learning setting where critical reflection is the goal. And in an essay he wrote, Stephen Brookfield said, Helping learners become more critically reflective of the assumptions they and others hold is a cardinal function of adult education. Transformative learning can't happen without critical reflection. Now, what I find so interesting is that critical reflection is so absent from much of the discourse that goes on today. And that's why I appreciate Thomas Sowell. The senior Harvard fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institution is going to make us think and to think critically. And thinking, according to G.K. Chesterton, is connecting things. And what Sowell does in his book, The Quest for Cosmic Justice, is to connect how individuals and groups turn their lofty visions of cosmic justice, the way the world should be according to them, if they were God, into a social justice which seeks to right the wrongs of select groups, say, the poor. And we're going to come back to the poor here in just a little bit. But what, what Sol wants us to see is that, one, different visions of what is just lead to radically different practical policies. Very significant. Two, that we're going to continually talk past each other if we don't understand that viewing the life through the lens of cosmic justice, again, as understood by any particular group, is going to change the meaning of the words we use, like justice and social justice. We have to define our terms. And three, we have to separate our heady feelings about what is right with the costs and the dangers of the actual alternatives of these visions. Thomas Sowell's the guy who said, quote, I never understood why it is greed to want to keep the money you have earned, but not greed to want to take somebody else's money. And when I hear him say that, I'm thinking CARES Act 3 and who in the world is going to pay for the $1.9 trillion the U.S. government is going to give away. But that's a matter for another day. But I want to go back to the poor, the target of much of social justice today. And Seoul is not going to say there are no poor people in the United States. Seoul is not going to say oh, we shouldn't have social programs. But he is going to say beware because statistics say about the poor are not people. Listen to this. Why are different groups so disproportionately represented in so many times and places? Perhaps the simplest answer is that there was no reason to have expected them to be statistically similar in the first place. Geographical, historical, demographic, cultural, and other variables make the vision of an even or random distribution of groups one without foundation. 
Statistical disparities are of course not limited to racial groups or to male-female differences. Moreover, believers in the quest for cosmic justice often confuse the fate of statistical abstractions with the fate of flesh-and-blood human beings. Much has been written, for example, about how small percentages of the population receive large percentages of the nation's income or hold some large percentage of the nation's wealth. The implicit assumption is that we are talking about classes of people when, in the United States at least, we are in fact talking about individuals at different stages of their lives. Soul is saying that we make a mistake when we confuse statistical abstractions with real people. And then he points out that the vast majority of wealth in the U.S. is concentrated in hands of people who are 50 years of age and older. And why? Well, is it some grand conspiracy against the youth? No, it's because people over 50 have lived longer. They've experienced more. They've worked longer. They've had longer to save. And most of the so-called poor actually rise to higher income brackets over time. Listen to this. Studies which have followed individual Americans over a period of years have found that most do not stay in the same quintile of the income distribution for as long as a decade. The first of these studies was conducted by a group of academics of left-wing persuasion who seemed to be thrown into disarray by their own findings, which were based on following the same individuals for eight years. But none of this should be surprising. People are eight years older at the end of eight years. They have eight years more experience, eight years more seniority. If they have set up a business, they have had eight years in which to become better known and to attract more customers. In the professions, they have had eight years in which to build up a clientele. Why would they not be in higher income brackets at the end of eight years? The poor who are often defined as the bottom 20% of the income distribution, are as transient in that role as the rich. Only 3% of the American population remained in the bottom 20% for as long as eight years. More who began in the bottom 20% had reached the top 20% by the end of that period than remained where they were. Yet the poor continue to be identified as the bottom 20% instead of the 3% who remain at the bottom. Our intellectual discourse and our public policy are based on the statistical abstraction of 20% rather than the flesh-and-blood 3% who are genuinely poor. So Sol is not against the poor, but he is for thinking critically. He is for doing what my teachers in adult education were advocating, challenging the presuppositions behind the statistics that are used to define a class of people as some 20% of the population, when in actuality, the vast majority of people rise out of that over periods of time. And so my aha moment was this. Statistics are not people. So the problem comes when a quest for cosmic justice extrapolates an entire class of people from statistics, which when examined more closely, critically examined, those statistics actually disprove the vision of those using them. But because those using them take the moral high ground from a cosmic vision of the way things ought to be, Sol writes, 
evidence to the contrary of their vision is not only likely to be dismissed, but it's often blamed on malevolence or dishonesty of those who present such evidence. Do you remember the words of Mark Twain? There are lies, damned lies, and statistics. Now, Twain was not against statistics, but he was for looking more closely. So what do we do with all this? Well, I think one of the things that we do is we challenge the presuppositions. We look more deeply. Sometimes uh, we hear a statistic and think, oh, those poor people. Well, some of those folks are poor people, and some are simply an extrapolated statistic. Remember, especially when it comes to lofty visions that drive policy, statistics are not people. And that's my thought on my walk with Thomas Sowell and his exceptionally good collection of essays, The Quest for Cosmic Justice. Now, my question is, what are you going to do with that thought on your walk through life today? <music>